So today I'm going to give basically like a New Year's message, even though I know it's already the fifth Sunday of the new year, but I wasn't here for the first few Sundays of the new year. So today I'm going to give a New Year's message, something that I have been doing here at Cross Connection Church for many, many years, starting off the new year, sharing a little bit about where we're going in the new year, or maybe some of the things that I think that God has impressed upon my own heart for myself, but also for our church. So like I said, I wasn't here for the first few weeks of the year, so that's where we're gonna be here on this fifth Sunday of 2023. But as I do begin, let me start first with a little bit of, shall we say, personal history. 25 days ago, on January 4th, I celebrated my 24th year in full-time vocational ministry here at this very same church. And it feels kind of weird to even say 24 years, 24 years here at this church serving in vocational, full-time pastoral ministry. It is a little bit surreal to think about it. Time goes by incredibly fast. I began here on January 4th, 1999. I was 19 years old. And I, at that time I came on as a non-paid ministry intern. And my, my job was basically to like fill in the holes, fill in the gaps, do whatever needed to be done to work on anything that I was asked to do. So of my primary responsibility really was to make sure that all the computers worked here at the church, the printers, the network, any of the tech things that they just kind of kept working. Also at that time, back in the late 90s, uh, that was right at, still at the very beginning of the internet. We didn't have online video like this, not necessarily. We had this thing called real video, which was terrible in comparison. This is like HD and perfect quality. But I, at that time, 1999, I had already built the church's website, so I had to maintain that and take care of all those sort of things. The church at that time was called Calvary Chapel of Escondido. And I also would answer phones and clean rooms and clean bathrooms and take out the trash and paint curbs or whatever needed to be done here at the church. That was basically like my role and responsibility at that time. And then a little more than a month after I began serving here as an intern, I was asked to take responsibility for teaching the middle schoolers in the youth group. So on February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1999, I began teaching the Bible for the very first time for me doing that, going through the book of Galatians in the New Testament. And ever since that time, I have been teaching or preaching the scriptures every single week, multiple times a week for 24 years. I helped lead the youth ministry here at Calvary Chapel of Escondido from 1999 when I started there in February teaching until the middle to the end of 2002. And then at the end of 2002, I was asked to lead our adult services here at the church on Sunday nights. 20 years ago, in January 2003, I began teaching through the book of Joshua here on Saturday nights at the church, which is kind of interesting, a little bit of a coincidence, because in just a few weeks, we are going to begin going through the book of Joshua here on Sunday morning. So from 2003 to 2023, back in the same book. But it was back in August of 2002, as I was wrapping up my time teaching within the youth ministry here at the church, that I began to have this strong sense that someday I would be the pastor of this church. 
Now, ultimately, it was six years until that would come to pass. I started to have that sense in August of 2002, the summer of 2002, and then it wasn't until 2008 that I ultimately became the pastor of the church. And during the course of those six years, there was all kinds of different twists and turns. I moved to Europe for a year and I taught at a small international Bible college in Siegen, Germany. Then I moved back to the States and I, I worked at a coffee shop that our church ran down on Grand Avenue. At the time it was called His Place. In fact, I met my wife while I was working there. And so the pay maybe wasn't the best, but the benefits turned out to be pretty spectacular. And not only did I meet my wife there, but Pastor Nick, who's on our staff here, handles all of our media creation. He met his wife while he was working there at his place. She was working there as well. So uh, pay may not have been great, but the benefits were spectacular. Also during that time, after I came back from Germany and was you know, working to pay the bills at the coffee shop, I was teaching here at the church and I also began teaching at Calvary Chapel Bible College in Marietta. And then in April of 2008, I began serving as the senior pastor here at this church. So this year will be 15 years that I have served as the pastor of this church. This year will also be the 10th anniversary since Pastor Mark came on as our executive pastor. Now, before I became the pastor of this church, I know I'm kind of given a lot of different dates and times, but th there is a point to this. I became the pastor of this church in, in April of 2008. And about half a year before that, in September of 2007, myself and most of our core pastoral leaders, we were at a Christian leadership conference out in the Palm Desert, Palm Springs area. And while we were there, we had kind of this meeting in, in a little living room space in the, the house that we were in with just the leaders of our church. And my pastor, who was the former pastor of this church, Pat Kinney, he was kind of leading this meeting and we were looking forward to the new year, 2008. We had no idea that we were gonna make a transition in the new year to me, a transition of leadership. But as we were in this meeting, there's probably maybe eight guys in this room. My pastor had asked me, Miles, why don't you share some of the things that you have on your heart for the church? And I shared with that group that I believed that God wanted us to make a shift as a church and as a ministry team. I shared with that group of leaders that the message that we have, that message from the scriptures, this is a message that does not change, has not changed. This is the message that the church has been speaking and sharing for millennia. We're not gonna change the message at all, but I believed at that time that our methods of how we as a church, as a team, as a ministry, as we reach out to our community, that our, me our methods needed to change to reach our culture in a better way. So I shared that in September of 2007, and you fast forward half a year and I would take over the church, but right before I became the pastor of the church in March of 2008, I had been invited to go back over to Germany for a month to teach through the book of Romans. And my wife was gonna go with me as well. We were gonna stay in Germany for a month. And it was on Saturday. I remember it very, very clearly. Saturday, March 1st, 2008, my wife and I were sitting at one of the gates in the airport down at San Diego waiting to board a plane to go to Germany and I was gonna be gone for a month. And I got a call right before we boarded the plane from one of our 
board members, one of our elders who's still on our board today, Mark Searle, and he shared with me when I answered the, the phone that there had been, you know, after several weeks of discussion and meetings and prayer among the leadership of the church, the former pa pastor of our church, Pat Kenny, was going to be handing the church off to me in April of 2008, April 20th. So this is March 1st. It's kind of like you've got six, seven weeks to get ready. Now, what that meant was that I was going to be gone in Germany for a month and it was going to give me a perfect time to be away from all the things that were going on here every single day. It was like very providential that I think God had set this up, that I was going over to Germany, be gone for a month, and then come back and have a few weeks to get ready to take over the leadership of the church. So that gave me a month of uh, a lot of time of just my wife and me. And then at the time, my good friend David Guzik was running that Bible school in Germany. So I had a lot of time to be able to interact with him and talk with him and ask him questions about, you know, what do you think? I'm taking over this church and, and really to begin to plan and prepare what it was that I was going to do when I took over this church. Now, it is also interesting, just a couple weeks before Andrea and I went over to Germany in March of 2008, we had just found out that she was pregnant with our first child, Ethan. And so 2008 became a year of really big changes, a year of me becoming the pastor of the church, of us becoming parents. We bought our first home, all kinds of crazy things that were going on. But during that month, March of 2008, as I knew that I was, you know, six, eight weeks out before I took over the leadership of this church, I sat down quite a few nights while I was there in Germany and I mapped out a plan, a vision really, for what I believed that God wanted us as a church here to become. Now, I didn't have a word for it then when I was writing those things or typing those things out, but really what it was that we were going to endeavor to do when I became the pastor of this church was what is now called church revitalization. And there are hundreds of churches throughout the U.S. currently that are in the process of a church revitalization or they are in desperate need of a church revitalization. Now, as I said, there wasn't really that word, that terminology wasn't really around back in 2008. There, there wasn't a lot of talk about this idea of church revitalization. There was a lot of talk about church planting, but not a lot of talk about, you know, church replants or church refresh or, you know, revitalization, all those sorts of things. Now, fast forward, 2023, there are tons of books on the topic. There are even courses and conferences that you can go to on how to revitalize or refresh or replant a church. There are even courses and seminaries on the subject. There's a lot of people that are kind of preparing, if you will, to go and help churches revitalize and, and reach out to their community. And that's exactly what I had talked with our leadership about in September of 2007, when we were away at that pastor's conference, was this is what we need to do. We need to come up with a better way to reach our culture, our community. I'm sure you notice, especially if you live here in Southern California where this church is, we on the coasts in America especially, we live in a very post-Christian culture and society. And so reaching people in this culture is a little bit different than maybe being in the Bible Belt or being in the Midwest. So things are a little bit different. So as we were getting ready 2007, 2008 for what would ultimately be a church revitalization, in addition to not having a word for what it was that I was about to do when I became the pastor of this church, I had no idea how long that process would take. I had no clue that that endeavor would really take about 10 years. It would be a 10-year process from 2008 to 2018. 
where we would carry the church through that complete revitalization or restoration or replant or refresh or whatever you want to call it. And, and really, I don't care what you call it. It was a lot of work. But as we, we went through that from 2008 to 2018, it was a complete transformation. I mean, we changed our vision. We changed the name. We did a lot of remodeling here at the church. We, uh, we added some new staff members. We reoriented how we do ministry and some ministries that we don't do any longer and some new things that we do. All of that, we did that from 2008 to 2018. Changed the name of the church from Calvary Chapel Escondido to Cross Connection Church, all of that. And then in 2019, it was like there, there was a real sense for me that like, man, we have, we have moved beyond all of that kind of refresh, all of the restoration process. That all is behind us. And moving from 2019 into 2020, I personally had a, a fair amount of anticipation for 2020 being a really good year for us as a ministry reaching our community. We were at a time of growth. We were seeing a lot of new people come to the church and it was just, there was an expectation for me and I think a number of other people on our staff and within our board that had a real sense that all right, 2020 is gonna be a great year for growth. Now, at the end of 2019, coming into 2020, if you were a part of Cross Connection Church, you will know that I shared at the end of 2019, coming into 2020, that I also was concerned that 2020 would be a year of chaos. Now, I was concerned primarily that 2020 would be a year of chaos because I was looking at the chaotic political season that was ahead of us with a presidential election and, and ultimately it did turn out to be pretty chaotic with the presidential election. But when I shared that I thought that 2020 would be a year of chaos, man, 2020 far exceeded my expectations for chaos. It far exceeded my appetite for chaos. And what is rather interesting is that on Sunday, very clearly I went back, I looked at our videos, I looked at our my notes from back then on Sunday, March 8th, 2020, I gave a message somewhat similar to this, sharing about new things that God was going to be doing for our church. I shared a little bit of personal history about some of the things that we had gone through as a church in the previous years leading up to that. I shared uh, a message also about some new things that we were going to be doing in 2020, or I thought that we were going to be doing in 2020. Remember, this is March 8th of 2020 sharing some of these new things that I thought that we were going to be doing in the new year. And we were in Deuteronomy chapter one. We had been going through the book of Deuteronomy for the last couple of years, few years here at the church. Uh, we're going to be getting into something new here shortly, but we had just started Deuteronomy back in March of 2020. And so we were in Deuteronomy chapter one, where we read this in verse 19. We read, so we departed from Horeb and went through all that great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites as the Lord God had commanded us. And then we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites which the Lord God is giving us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of our fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. Moses there is recounting to the children of Israel about their their coming to the promised land and he, he talks about go up and possess it. Go up and take possession of this land that God has given to you. Do not fear nor be discouraged. Now, I, I shared on that pas passage in March, March 8th of 2020, and I shared at that time that the church was growing 
and I shared that we were going to be moving into some new things, going out to possess it. Just like the children of Israel were preparing to go into the promised land, we were going to go and take hold of these new things that God was doing. And part of what we were going to do, I shared back on March 8th, 2020, that we were going to add a fourth Sunday morning service here at the church about six weeks or so after that at Easter. We had three Sunday morning services at that time. We were going to add a fourth Sunday morning service. So that was March 8th, 2020, the next day. March 9th, 2020, the headline, I actually took a screenshot of it at the time when I looked at it on the news. The headline in the San Diego Union Tribune from March 9th, 2020, I have it right here. In fact, Nick can put it up on the screen, I'm sure. But the headline was this, San Diego County gets its first case of coronavirus, health officials announce. Now, I saved that screenshot because my, my friend, Dr. Nick Ifantidis, is there in that picture. So I snapped a screenshot of that. And then on March 10th, 2020, I was at a meeting with dozens of other Calvary Chapel pastors here in San Diego County at Horizon Church in North County over in Rancho Santa Fe. And there were discussions among the various pastors that were there gathered at that meeting about what was going to happen as a result of this whole coronavirus thing. There was a lot of people kind of wondering, like, what is this? We were just starting to hear about it. We really hadn't even heard much about COVID-19. It was just coronavirus at that moment. That afternoon, we had a staff meeting here at the church, and we decided that, okay, this coming Sunday that we're getting ready for, we're going to live stream our service the next Sunday because we thought that some people would opt to stay home. And then just a few days after that, the headline online was Trump to declare national emergency. And then on TV, there was stay at home if you are ill. I've got all these pictures on here. I snapped a picture of the, the news coming out. There was a, you know, a live newscast about stay home if you feel ill, if you feel sick. And so as a result of that, we live streamed our Sunday service here Remember, the previous week I had said, we're going to add a fourth service because the church is growing. One week later, on March 15th, I stand up and half of our church is not there. The following Sunday, on March 22nd, we went entirely to services online. And I remember driving here to the service on that morning. Uh, and there was a big sign that said, COVID-19 Less is more, avoid gatherings, as I was on my way here to the church. So, crazy things at the beginning of 2022. Now, at this point, I will forgive you if you're wondering, what, where are you going with this, Miles? Like, what's this have to do with anything having to do with 2023? I promise you that as this plays out, it'll become a little bit more clear. So, March of 2020, we were all collectively, every single one of us, we were thrown into a chaotic situation and we found ourselves in what you might call unmapped territory. We were in a place that we'd never been before. No one really knew how to kind of navigate this whole thing that we were going through. And as a result of being thrown into unmapped territory, we have all experienced the typical sort of things that you go through or that follow when you find yourself thrown off your path. You're thrown off of the path that you were on. You had a, a goal, an aim, a mission, a plan. Like I said, in 2020, or 2020 March, my, my plan was we were you know, growing, we're adding services, all this sort of stuff. And then we all get thrown off our plan. I don't know what your plans were in 2020, but you had ideas about what was going to happen in that new year, and then everything got kind of sidelined. So imagine, if you will, that you were on... Uh, a mountain 
trail high up on the hillside and you're trying to get somewhere. You have a plan. You know where you're going. You're trying to get there by the end of the day, whatever it may be. And you're making really good progress. You're feeling really happy about your forward momentum, shall we say. And you're moving quickly along and everything seems to be going really, really well. But then suddenly you set your foot down and the trail gives way under your foot. And before you even have your real awareness of what is happening, you are sliding and tumbling down the hillside, down the mountain. Everything you thought that you were doing seconds before has now changed dramatically because you're no longer on that path that you were on. You're sliding down the hill and you're trying to keep yourself from getting hurt. And then when you finally come to a stop, you are way far away from where you were just moments before. You're all scraped up. Maybe your, your leg hurts a little bit. You're somewhat in shock, you know, adrenaline pumping through your veins but you kind of assess the damage. Okay, I'm not, I'm not super wounded or injured here, but you're in a difficult new situation and you're in an unexpected and unplanned for situation in unmapped territory. You are not where you anticipated that you would be. And so anxiety fills your heart and you start to kind of ask, well, now what? What do I do now in this situation? Now, at, at that point, if you can imagine that scenario, there's a, a number of kind of expected things that begin to go through your mind. You, you, you start to ask yourself, like, how did I get here? I took that step maybe a little bit too quickly or casually. I should have been, or could have been more aware or more careful of my surroundings. Should have been a little bit more careful. I shouldn't have been so quick to do that thing or to make that move, whatever it was. So you start to assess like all the things you could have or should have done differently. And then you move from trying to figure out, you know, what are the things that went wrong in that moment that led up to that fall or whatever it may be. And then you start to try and figure out like, okay, how do I get back up to where I was? And you spend all kinds of time, energy, resources, if you will, trying to get back to where you were. And you find like, I just can't get back to where I was. You're stuck. You're in a totally difficult situation. And that basically is what many, if not all of us have been going through post-2020, through the last three quarters of 2020, after the whole COVID thing first started, we really were in a time of trying to assess what is going on. And we're playing dodgeball with all kinds of stuff that was flying at us constantly. And then you add to it that it wasn't only coronavirus that we were dealing with at that time. We were dealing with all of the response to COVID. So we're dealing with shutdowns and social distancing and distance learning for our kids. We have four kids, my wife and I, so you know they all of a sudden were homeschooled. My wife worked in the ICU during that time, so she was gone at the ICU quite a bit. And then we're all trying to navigate remote work and Zoom meetings. You remember all the Zoom meetings and masks. But we also had some crazy things that happened in May and June of 2020 with police violence and racial tensions and protests and riots. Then we had the political insanity of the fall of 2020 and then the post-election chaos that came with that. And through all of that, in 2020, it was just kind of a time of like assessing the damage, like, oh gosh, where, where am I? What's going on? And then you come into 2021, and I think there was a little bit of hope for some change, some movement forward in 2021, but that didn't really come, not in the way that I think a lot of us were anticipating. 2021 was a time of trying to figure out how do we get back to where we were pre-COVID? How do we get back to 2019? Because 2019 was pretty good for 
a lot of people, myself included. So how do we get back to the path that we were on before tumbling down the hill? That's a lot of what happened in 2021. But I think that slowly it became more clear in 2021 that we weren't getting back to the path that we were on. And then 2022 came. And 2022 was really a time of assessing how did we get into all of this mess to make sure that we don't, we don't do something like this again in the future. There was a lot of consternation about all of the things that we did wrong in 2020. That, that wrong step that we took, that wrong turn that we made, there's a lot of that going on in 2022. And behind all of the evaluation of the wrong steps, the wrong turns, there was kind of a hopeful thought still that maybe we'll get back to 2019. Maybe we can get back to normal or the, the term that I hate and maybe you do as well, the term new normal. Like maybe we could just get back to a new normal. And really, I think that's where we have been for the last two or three quarters of 2020 and all through 2021 and all through 2022. And I know that that's where we have been. Um, I know that's where I've been myself, but I also know talking with a number of people that that's where a lot of people have been over the last few years. Kind of a challenging thing of trying to get back. How do we get back to where we were? So now what? It's 2023. And I have been thinking a lot about this for the last several months. I've been praying for answers to that question. Now what? Now what in 2023? And I've been reading through the scriptures like I do every single morning. I spend some time in the scriptures or try to. And oftentimes I'll take out my journal and I'll kind of write down thoughts and I'll pray. And so since early November, I've been really thinking about, okay, 2023 is coming. We've already been through all this craziness of 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, new year. And back in November, I found myself thinking, okay, I've been sitting down in this gully, if you will. You're on that high mountain trail and you fall down, you took a wrong step and you're down in this gully. I've been down here for too long trying to figure out how do I get back up there or what could I or should I have done differently. And it was back in the beginning of November that I made a decision that I may not know exactly what it is that I ought to be doing, but I need to kind of start thinking differently about how I move forward personally. And so I was in the Philippines uh, teaching at a pastor's conference back in November of last year with my friend Lance. And I made a decision while I was there that, okay, when I get back to the States, I'm going to start getting up a little bit earlier, spend some focused time in the scriptures with my journal, and uh, get back into a routine of running. And so I started doing that. I, I remember it very clearly because I looked at my journal the other day to see when it was. So November 7th, um, I started getting up earlier in the morning and, and spending time just thinking and praying, Lord, what do you want to speak to me? And writing those things down in my journal and then going on a run. And I just kept doing that every single day for quite a few months, November, December, coming into January. And I, I know very clearly because I wrote it down on January 4th of this year, just a few weeks ago, I was running on my treadmill and a word came to me, the word that I want to share with you before. Now, if you've been around Cross Connection for a while, you know that there have been a number of years where I've shared a word or a thought or a phrase with you at the beginning of the year about where we are going as a church. So I do have a word that I think the Lord has given to me for myself personally, but I also think for our church. But before I share with you what that word is, and I know I'm taking a while to get to it, I want to share 
some stories with you about three different individuals. Three different individuals. The first one is a friend of mine. He is a chiropractor. And I've known him for about 20 years. He's a Christian. Great guy. And he's been working here in this area, North County, for probably 30 years, building his practice. And I've helped him over the years with web development and other things over the years. And when 2020 came, and like with so many business owners, 2020 basically killed his business, his chiropractic practice. And for the last three years, he has gone through that whole unmapped territory process that I was talking about, trying to figure out, you know, what could I have done differently? What should I do differently? All of those sort of things. And how can I get back to 2019? Things in 2019 were pretty good. You go through all of the, the, those thoughts. Maybe I could have done this. Maybe I should have done that. If I just did this, then this would have happened. Whatever it is, you go through all those sort of things. But a few months ago, he reached out to me. In fact, the second day, I know because I went back and looked at my text messages, the second day after I came back from the Philippines, after I was getting up early in the morning and reading through the scriptures and running, he sent me a text and he said that he would be closing his practice, his office at the end of that month. So, so that's one individual. You know, he spent all these years building this business, building up a clientele, building up a practice. And then he says, all right, I, I've tried to, you know, weather the storm of 2020, 2021, and 2022, but I had to close my practice. Second individual is another friend of mine, and he runs a martial arts studio here in this area. In fact, I, I trained at his studio years ago, and my youngest son, Elliot, has been going to his studio. But he's been building a martial arts business, training students here for more than 30 years. And then 2020 came. And again, like so many people that have businesses, his business was slammed by it. And he spent most of his savings trying to keep his business going or to keep his staff paid during all of the craziness of 2020. And then through all of that, you go through those, that same process. What if I had done X or maybe I could have done or should have done Y? And if I only had done Z, then maybe we could get back to where I was, back to 2019. Those same sort of things that we go through. So that's the second, second individual. So first guy, chiropractic practice. Second guy, you know, this martial arts studio. Uh, before I tell you about the third individual, let me connect these two stories because uh, the martial arts studio, the head of it, he sent out a text to all of his students. My youngest is a student there in December and said, hey, we need to have a uh, parent meeting. So I went over to the parent meeting and he, and he said, listen, in the new year, we're going to move our studio and, uh, to a smaller place because the place we have, we just can't afford to run it anymore. The students have gone from, you know, he had a real high student list before 2019, but 2020 killed all that. So he's moving his business. And on January 3rd, I got a text from my chiropractor friend who said, instead of closing his practice, he said, I've decided to move to a, a different location, a smaller location. I'm going to try and keep it going. So we have these two individuals, COVID, the chaos of COVID came, destroyed their businesses to the point where it's like, okay, we either close or we have to make a shift. So I got that text from my chiropractor friend on January 3rd. And then I was running on the treadmill, as I said, a few minutes ago on January 4th. And this word popped into my mind. At the beginning of 2020, I shared with you that the word I thought that had popped into my mind for 2020 was the word chaos. And that was the unfortunate word that I had for 2020. And 2021 and 2022 didn't really feel like the chaos all that much went away. 
So as I was thinking about my two friends, the word that came to me was the word pivot, the word for this year, 2023. I think that the Lord's given to me and I think it's for our church is the word pivot. Now, when I say pivot, there are things that pop into your mind. If you are a lady between like 35 and 45 years old, when I say the word pivot, all you can think of is Ross on Friends standing in the hallway with a couch yelling, pivot, pivot. So that's, that's what you're thinking if you are like in that age category. If you're a guy though, you're probably thinking about basketball because when you're playing basketball, you're dribbling the ball. If you take the ball and stop, you cannot bounce the ball again or else you get called for double dribbling. And you cannot walk because you get called for traveling, but you can pivot on one foot. So you're, you're moving with the ball, you're moving towards the goal, towards the basket. Someone gets in your way, you grab the ball, you're, you're kind of stuck at that moment. You can't walk, you can't dribble again, you can only pivot to get away from that obstacle to try and open up something new. So those are the things that maybe come to mind. But let me explain to you what I am thinking when I think of the word pivot. I'm thinking of the third individual. I told you that I was gonna tell you stories about three individuals. The first one was my friend who has a chiropractic practice. Second one was my friend who has a martial arts studio. The third one is someone that you, if you've been around church for any length of time, you know who this person is. You've been introduced to him before. His name is Paul. And Paul in the New Testament book of Acts, which follows a lot of his life and ministry, in Acts chapter 16, Paul is on a mission, his second missionary journey to bring the gospel to people that had never heard the gospel before. And he has just spent a period of time, in Acts chapter 16, he's just spent a period of time in a region of the world that at that time was called Galatia. And it was in Galatia on his first missionary journey that he, with another individual by the name of Barnabas, they had planted a number of churches in the capital or main cities of Galatia. And now in Paul's second missionary journey in Acts chapter 16, you can read about his first missionary journey in Acts chapter 13, but in Acts chapter 16, Paul is back in Galatia ministering to the churches that he had planted there in that area. And he has with him a guy named Silas. And while they are in Galatia, they pick up another guy, young guy, by the name of Timothy, who had become a Christian under Paul's ministry during Paul's first missionary journey. So it's Paul and Silas and Timothy. And in Acts chapter 16, they are leaving Galatia and they're going on this mission because it was Paul's aim to take the gospel and preach it to people who had never heard the gospel before. And so they're leaving Galatia and they are heading out kind of northwest, if you will. And we pick up the story. I want to read to you from Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 6. We read this. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia, and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Now there is a lot in those two verses, Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. There is a whole bunch in those 40 or so words there. And yet there's also a whole lot that those words don't say. There's, there's a lot going on in those 40 or so words, but there's a lot that is not said. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they are, if you can kind of imagine geography, they're in what is modern-day Turkey. So you can kind of see, if you imagine the, um, the Mediterranean Sea, and you've got, you've got here in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, you've got the boot, you've got Italy, 
And then if you keep moving east from there, you're going to hit Israel. And if you move a little bit north from there, you're going to find yourself in Turkey. So the way that the Mediterranean Sea is, you got Turkey up there. They're in the area of Turkey and they're moving from about south central Turkey and going northwest. It's hard for me to do this because it's backwards for me, but for you. They're going northwest. They've come out of Galatia and they're, they're going towards this area called Mycenae. And if you can imagine, as they're going on their journey, if they turn to the left, they could go down into Asia, Asia Minor. And the, the capital city of Asia Minor is the city of Ephesus. But the text says there that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, what in the world does it mean that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit? We don't know. Maybe there were some dangers that they heard about going in that direction. Maybe the weather wasn't great going down in that direction. Maybe they had some sense within themselves that like God's saying, no, we're not going to go down into the area of Asia Minor. So they're going along on their journey. They're leaving Galatia behind them. They're going kind of northwest. They say, all right, we're going to turn left and we're going to go into Asia Minor. But the door closes. The Spirit did not allow them to go into Asia Minor. They couldn't go there. Now, eventually, Paul is going to go there. So they can't go to the left. They can't go backwards because that's where they came from. So it's like, all right, let's continue on our way. And then as they continued on their way, it's like, all right, well, maybe we should go to the northeast toward Bithynia or toward what we know of today as kind of like northern Turkey, where Istanbul is today. But the text says we tried to go to Bithynia, but the spirit did not permit them. So you've got this interesting scenario. Paul is on a mission. He's got Silas and Timothy with him. They are following the apostle, the one who has seen the risen Lord in a vision on the road to Damascus years before this. Paul's on a mission to go preach the gospel. Silas and Timothy are with him. All right, we're going on a mission. Let's, let's try to go to Asia Minor. Nope, door closes. All right, fine, let's try to go to the right, to Bithynia. Nope, door closes. So you can't go backwards, you can't go to the left, can't go to the right. It's like, well, what do you do? Well, you just continue moving forward. The Spirit did not permit them to go to the left, the Spirit did not permit them to go to the right, so you kind of have to pivot. you got to shift. So we read, going on, verse 8, we read this, So passing by Mycenae, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with them, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And now after he had seen the vision, immediately we, that's really important, can't talk about it today, but now there's a, a third person added to Paul's little group here. He's got Silas and Timothy, and now he's got we, that would be Luke, who is the author of this. We sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So what we have here is a pivot. They couldn't go back. That's where they had come from. They'd come from Galatia. They can't go to the left into Asia Minor because the, the Lord closed that door. They can't go into the right to Bithynia because the Lord closed that door. They had moved all the way forward until they came to a body of water. They're on the edge of the Aegean Sea. So, you know, Troas is a coastal city on the Aegean Sea. They can't go to Asia Minor. They can't go to Bithynia. They can't go back to Galatia. They're kind of hemmed in and stuck in this area. And then God gives a vision of a man of Macedonia, which is across the Aegean Sea. And this man of Macedonia saying, come help us. And so they pivot. They shift. And so that's, that's where they are at. They're, they're at this place. They can't go to the left, can't go to the right, can't go backwards. They're stuck at the edge of this coastal city, Troas, and God gives a vision, and now it's time to move. They pivot. they got to shift. 
And Paul was able to shift and pivot. And, and that's what I think that God has for us. It's a time of pivot. This is what I see with my friend who has the chiropractic practice. You know, it was like there was this hope for several years during all this stuff. Maybe we can get back to where we were in 2019, but things have changed dramatically. Or my friend with the martial arts studio, it's like maybe we can get back to where we were with 2019. Things were great. You know, everything was growing. Nope, can't get back to 2019. So it's like, all right, now we have to make a shift. Downsizing, moving in a different direction than where we were. And the same thing for the church. At the beginning of 2020, it was like things were moving in a direction. It's like, man, we're coasting along. And then, boom, things kind of change. And through all of the last few years, it's kind of like, okay, maybe things will come back to the way that they were. They're not coming back to the way that they were. Things have changed dramatically. And there, there's very few options. You can kind of just sit there and stew and like, oh, I'm bummed and everything's terrible and whatever it is. Or you can shift. And for Paul, that's exactly what we had here. It's like, well, I want to go to Ephesus. Doors closed. I want to go to Bithynia. Doors closed, right? Well, what are you going to do? You wait for the Lord to open a door and you move in that direction. So that's what I think God has been saying to me is it's time for a pivot. He's, I think, maybe saying the same thing to you. And you say, well, is that, is that all you got for me, the word pivot? Well, not exactly. What do you do when you are in unmapped territory? You're in a place that you didn't plan for. You, you weren't planning to be in this situation. You can't go back to where you were. You can't get back to that area. So you've got to adjust. You've got to shift. You've got to pivot. You have to reinvest yourself in what it is that you were focused on beforehand and get moving, moving forward. And as you do, I think that there are five things, five very important things that you keep in mind as you begin to do that. Critical, essential things. Five things are this. One, purpose. Two, mission. Three, vision. Four, values. And then five, strategy. Purpose, mission, vision, values, and strategy. If I rewind the clock all the way back to September of 2007, as I was sitting with that group of pastors thinking about where we were going in the new year, not knowing that I would end up taking over the church in 2008. It comes back to purpose, mission, vision, values, and strategy. I talk about this a lot as I teach church planting or I minister to pastors in various other areas. Purpose, mission, vision, values, strategy. Paul, when he was in that difficult situation, and he met these kind of things a lot, where it's kind of like you hit a brick wall, you can't go to the left, you can't go to the right, you can't go backwards. It's like, all right, now what? Well, you gotta, you gotta kind of pivot. You know, you were dribbling along, you're going towards the basket, you got your eye and then someone steps right in front of you and blocks your way and you stop. Now you gotta pivot. And the way that you pivot in that moment is that you keep these things in mind. Purpose, mission, vision, values, strategy, and so forth. Paul knew exactly what his purpose and calling were. He was sent by Christ Jesus to be a man with the message of the gospel for Gentiles. That's his purpose. His mission was very simple. The mission is always the same, to fulfill the purpose. The purpose, preach the gospel to all these people. The mission is to fulfill that purpose. The vision, he could see clearly in his mind, the vision of fulfilling that mission, of fulfilling that purpose, wherever he could go. Wherever he would go, he would fulfill that mission and purpose, whether it was Galatia or Asia or Bithynia or Mycenae or Macedonia or Greece or Rome or wherever he would go. And he knew what his values were. And you can find those values all throughout his letters. He wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. 
And we find one of the very important values that Paul had, it's, it's in one of his letters to the Romans, in Romans chapter 15, verse 20, there we read this. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another's foundation. So Paul has this purpose to preach the gospel to people who had never heard the gospel before. He's got this mission to fulfill that purpose. He's got a vision. I'm going to go and do that in Galatia or in Asia Minor or in Rome or Macedonia or wherever it may be. That's my vision is to do that. He's got a value system. One of the values is right there in Romans chapter 15, verse 20. I'm going to go where the gospel's never been preached before. And then his strategy uh, you see it all throughout the book of Acts. You see it in other places as well. I'm going to go and preach to the Jew first in the synagogue and then to the Gentiles. I'm just going to go wherever I possibly can. He knew his purpose, mission, vision, values, and strategy. So here we are, 2023. We've been through the chaos of 2020 and 2021 and 2022, and a lot of people trying to get back to where we were in 2019. We're never going back there. Things are different. There's no going back to 2019. So 2023, I think, is a year where people begin to realize, like my friend who has the martial arts studio, like my friend who has the chiropractic practice, all right, we're not going back. So it's time to adjust. It's time to shift. It's time to pivot. This thing has blocked my way, but the goal is still there. So I need to kind of shift and regroup and reorganize. And in doing that, you have to answer some pretty important questions. Because what is it that guides you when you make that shift? Well, there are those essential things. First is purpose. What is it that God has called you to do? You need to sit down and take some time, as I've been doing every single morning, what is it that God has called me to do? I know my very clear calling from the Lord to use my gifts, talents, abilities, assets, energy, time, all of those things, to use what God has given to me to fulfill the mission that he's given to me, which is what? to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. That's what God spoke to me back in 1999. January of 1999, when I was asked if I would teach the junior hires here at Calvary Chapel of Escondido, Cross Connection Church. When I prayed, God said, this is what I've called you to. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. What has God called you to? With your energy, assets, time, with your talents, with your treasure, He's called you to do something. Maybe he has called you to be a nurse in the nursing field. Maybe he's called you to be a doctor. Maybe he's called you to be an architect or a teacher. Or maybe he's called you to be a firefighter or a police officer. Maybe he's called you to be a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. I don't know what it is that he's called you to. What is the purpose that he's given to you for your life? Your mission is to fulfill that purpose. Your vision is of you fulfilling that purpose. The values that you have, they come from the scriptures. Sometimes we have to go back and regroup and say, what are the values that I have? They're found here in the scriptures. And then the strategy is just, how am I going to put those things together? You see, the purpose, the mission, the vision, that's the North Star. That's what you are guiding yourself at. Sometimes something stands in your way or you fall down the hill or whatever it may be, but you kind of, you got to reorient back towards that purpose, mission, and vision. I'm heading in that direction and you've got to, pivot, but you've got to make sure you've got that value set in place because the values are going to be the thing that are the curbs, if you will, on either side to keep you oriented in the right direction. And from that, you can build a strategy. So my word for you is the word that I think God put on my mind as I was running on the treadmill on January 4th, thinking about my friend who is a chiropractor, thinking about my friend who is runs a martial arts studio and thinking about someone who's become my friend over the years, the Apostle Paul.
things stand in our way from time to time. The easiest thing to do is to sit down and pout and be upset and get angry and depressed or whatever it may be. That's easy. The harder thing is to pivot and say, all right, it's time to move forward. And that is actually perfectly fit with where we're going to be going in our studies of the scriptures this year. Because we're going to be preparing to go into the Old Testament book of Joshua, which is, I think, exactly the message that we need for such a time as this. So in closing, you, you may ask, well, what is this word pivot? What exactly does that mean for Cross Connection Church? And I have to say, I'm not 100% sure. I just know that we are not going back to 2019. And you can't continue to just sit in the valley crying. So post 2020, it's time to move forward into what God has called us to do as a church, called you to do. What does he want you to do with your time, talents, treasure, your energy, with all the abilities that you have for his namesake, for his kingdom? You can't sit there crying about things and how they didn't quite go the way that you thought they'd go. It's time to pivot and adjust and start moving towards the goal. I press towards the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, one of my favorite passages of scripture. I press towards the goal. Sometimes you've got to pivot so that you can move in a new direction towards that same goal. God, I pray that you'd help us to be able to do that here in 2023. Give us a vision for any time that we find ourselves in unmapped territory where we aren't, aren't exactly where we thought we were going to be. We just need to reorient so that we can see and gain a vision of, okay, that's where we're going. Now we need to move in that direction. Here's the strategy for it. Lord, help us to do that as you enable us by your Holy Spirit. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.